In today's show, we look back at the 10 games from Monday, including an injury to Carl Anthony Towns. We'll talk about that injury, Ben Simmons' injury, big performances, and we'll also hear from Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble. On TikTok, at RedRock underscore Beeble as well. On Instagram, at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. And on Substack, joshlloyd48.substack.com. That's free. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, it's a big day. There are 10 games on. There are big injuries that we're going to talk about. Um, we'll talk about that when we talk about those particular games. So, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, just a couple of little notes here. Um, Prisha Chua, it's at least another two to three weeks from him. Surely nobody is holding Prisha Chua. Surely. But what that does do is it helps the value of the million power forwards that they have. Thad Young, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Chris Boucher. We'll talk about that when we talk about the Raptors game later on uh, in the show. But that's that's that. Um, is Chris Middleton coming back on Wednesday? I know that some sites slash... ESPN have taken the injured or out tag off him, made him game to game to uh, game time decision, which is frustrating because obviously that's not the case, and the Bucks haven't ruled that. But we don't have an update from the Bucks because they don't play until Wednesday. So this is, you know, I think I, in the, when I talked about in the show earlier today about the return of Middleton, we expected maybe end of this week. So hopefully this is when he's back, but I don't have any concrete information on that. So just be aware that that changing of the injury tag on ESPN does not mean that there is information that he is starting. That also takes me to something else, which I know some people got dicked over with today. There was a misreporting of a news item on Clint Capella that, was, that appeared on Yahoo through Roto World. And it said that Clint Capella was out today. Now, obviously, Clint Capella wasn't out. He played. Someone just misread the report. So it is always worth doing, even if I tweet something or if you see in a report on Roto World or ESPN or Yahoo, and trying to find what the source is. Because if you just went onto that report about Clint Capella and clicked that source, it, it said that Clint Capella was questionable. And then he was, and he got upgraded to in. He was never ruled out. And I think that's worth mentioning as well. Kemba Walker is in Dallas. Talked about that on multiple shows. I did a little YouTube short on it. Talked about it in the injury show. Talked about it even in the streaming show for tomorrow. Lots of talk on Kemba Walker, so I won't bore you too much here. I don't think he's worth adding in 12-team leagues. That is the final, or not the final, that is my current decision on Kemba Walker. So let's look at the most added players on waiver-wise over the last 24 hours. Number one was Seth Curry. Didn't work out particularly well today, did it? But he'd been playing really well. The problem with him is is that I just I don't know that it sustains, or obviously it doesn't because it didn't sustain today. He's fine to add. He's probably fine to hold. I think he's just more going to be a back end guy. The second one's embarrassing. I think if it was one, if if you are listening or watching this show and you added Tony Warren Jr., I apologize for calling it embarrassing. Why are you rushing to add this bloke? He went up fifteen percent in the last twenty four hours. I know he's allegedly returning Friday. That's cool. Remember last year in November, Ricardo. Oh, yeah, 
he won't be too far away. Maybe maybe a week, maybe a day. Yeah, and then never returned ever. I'm not saying that he's not returning Friday he probably is. I'm also not expecting anything from him. I wouldn't even take the risk personally. I, I think it's a waste. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong for Tony Warren's sake and for the Nets' sake. I just, I, I don't really think it's worth doing. Um, Pat Williams up 13%. Surprised that he'd been dropped in that many spots, but yeah, that's a solid ad. Why is every, not everybody, why did Monty Morris go up 12%? I know he was back and available today, but he was dropped not because he was injured. He was dropped because he was bad. And the badness didn't change. Shouldn't have added him. Marvin Bagley up 12%. Well, since then, he's appeared on the injury report as questionable, and we still don't know what the hell is going to happen with Stewart and Bay and Bogdanovich and Bagley. And who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Yeah, it's fine. He's played really well the last two games. Of course, people who are Bagley supporters who think I unnecessarily hate on him would suggest that you know, we ignore the four or five games before that. But he is worth adding. We just don't know if he's going to play tomorrow. Trey Murphy up 10%. I like that one. McCollum's out. Ingram's out. Sure. Killian Hayes up 9%, worth worth doing as well. And interestingly, the big stiffy up 7%. I thought would have thought Bones Highland would have gone the other direction. He missed again today, and I don't know when he's coming back. Surely it's not too long, but he's only a fringe player anyway, and he was ruled out. So I don't know why that went up that much. That's interesting. The waiver wire most dropped players, I think is even more interesting. A lot more stuff that is worth discussing on this list, and that's exactly what we're going to do now. Because a lot of the names that were dropped here are quite reactive. Emmanuel quickly down 17%. I know on Sunday he shit the bed. He played nine minutes, he had a sore knee. He is questionable. But as I detailed on the show today, the, the streaming show earlier today, the Knicks have one of the best schedules this week. So, yeah, I, I know it's frustrating, but you can get some real value out of quickly this week. I wouldn't have been that quick to drop him everywhere. And absolutely, I wouldn't have been that quick to drop Dalen Duran. Pearson's one of only two teams to play on Thursday. Stewart and Bagley are both questionable for Tuesday. They play on three low-volume games in a row. I, I would not drop him for that. Larry Nance down 10%. I get it. People aren't as big a believers in Nance as what I am. i got no problem with... Um, well, actually, I'm not even that big a believer in Nance, but I do think he's worth holding. Um, even today, with Nance out, Valentino's played 20 minutes. Like, yeah. Um, Nance is a drop in a points league. I get that, so maybe that's what it is. Isaiah Hartenstein. Now, again, his schedule is really good for this week. He's not playing particularly well, but it's a great schedule. I get dropping him though. Jalen Suggs down 10%. I'm okay with that. Tyus Jones down 9%. Drop him, no problem. Tim Hardaway down 9%. Uh, the conundrum of Tim Hardaway. Dreadful, but great schedule. Get that garbage out of here! The only reason I would keep him is go, well, maybe, maybe in two of the three games this week on the low volume days, he pops off. Maybe, but probably not. And then Mo Bumba down 9% as well. One, two, three, four, five. He didn't play today. Paolo is back. Bumper is bad. I, I get it. I get dropping him now. But with Carter out, there is still use in him. And I probably would have been a little bit more um, a little bit more reluctant to drop him, a little bit more interested in holding him, given the absence of Wendell. But he's bad. Simple as that. Today's episode is brought to you by Turo. They're not bad. Turo is good, in fact. Turo is the world's largest sharing or car sharing. Marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasional budget across the US, the UK, Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, a holiday, or a birthday. Find an affordable economy car if you're on a budget, 
just to get you from A to B. Or test out that new electric vehicle you've been eyeing off to see how it fits into your local, not your local, into your daily life. That's what I'm trying to say. Many Turo hosts can even deliver that car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Okay, shall we um, get into the games? Let's do it. Wolves-Wizards. First game up. Let's start with the big one here. Um, Carl Anthony Towns. It was a bad-looking injury. Um, I don't know what more to say. Like, it looked bad. It was a non-contact injury. He was pushing off. He grabbed the back of his calf. Um, exactly like what would happen if you popped an Achilles. As simple as that. He couldn't really move. He had to be carried off the court. Um, let's get a couple of misconceptions out of the way. Someone told me, or someone said to me, hey, he couldn't be an Achilles because he didn't go off on a stretcher. Blatantly false. Right? You can walk off on an Achilles injury. We've literally seen Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant, two of the most famous Achilles tears of all time, though they just walked off the court, right? That can happen. Uh, can't be an Achilles because the initial diagnosis is a strained calf. Well, Kevin Durant's Achilles was diagnosed as a strained calf. That's happened before. In saying that, I actually don't think it's an Achilles. I did fear the worst. He did grab a little bit higher up on the calf. And Woj's reporting is saying they're optimistic that he's avoided like a catastrophic injury, which would be the Achilles. Okay, so we've got that out of the way. I do think he's avoided the Achilles. I do think that. It's not an ACL, 100%. I've got no no um, concerns about that being an ACL. Not a problem at all. So they're diagnosing as a calf strain. But also, it's worth remembering that while a calf strain sounds like nothing, it does sound like nothing. Damian Lillard had a calf strain. He's out for two weeks. He's also restrained that calf and he's out for more time. But a calf strain has varying um, issues here, varying lengths, varying severities. Yeah, if it's a three-month, or sorry, if a grade three calf tear, this might be three months, it might be four months, it might be surgery, it might be six months. It might be season over. That's possible. It might be, I would say minimum it's two weeks here for Towns, probably more liking, likely three to four weeks, but it's going to be time off. I've got no doubt about that, that it's going to be um, going to be time off for him. But until we get, get it, the information tomorrow, we just don't know. What are they going to do? I tell you what I can pretty much rule out. I don't think they're going to start Naz Reed. I feel really confident they're not going to start Reed and Gobert together. Reed will get all the minutes that Gobert doesn't play, but they won't play together. Torian Prince is out. Jaden McDaniels is out at the moment. McDaniels should be back with the illness. Prince is still out for a few more games with the shoulder injury. I think they could... My initial thought was they'll start Kyle Anderson, but someone brought up a good point to me um, saying that the shooting there for Anderson is, is pretty bad. And I and that is true. He's not a great shooter. He's not, he's not the worst shooter, but he's not a great shooter. He's a low-volume shooter. And that might just clunk some of the spacing up. But the thing is, he's a good passer. And he's the best player out of him, Jalen Noel, and Torian Prince. Right? But they could start Noel, and they could push Anthony Edwards at the three and have McDaniels at the four. The other thing they could do, which is what they're currently doing now, is have Edwards at the three and start a spud like Austin Rivers at the two with McDaniels at the four. We wouldn't want to add Rivers, but what we would do is that gives a boost to Kyle Anderson, who gets three to four extra minutes, maybe five, maybe six. We get more minutes for Jalen Noel from 12-some games, 17, up to 24-25. And then when Prince comes back, maybe he plays 25. And if that's the case, it's all messed up. None of those guys are going to be worth adding. I would probably prioritize Anderson, then Noel, and then Prince in that order. But I think they're just probably going to end up as back-end players. And there's a lot of different directions they can go. Again, the easy thing to suggest here would just be, well, McDaniels is sick. When he comes back, he comes in and replaces Towns. 
and they keep Austin Rivers for whatever reason starting and Edwards is at the three. Or they could put Anderson in or they could put Prince in. There are a number of different ways they can go. But what, what I do know is that whoever replaces him, whether it is Rivers, whether it is Anderson, whether it is Noel, whether it is Prince, they're not going to have the same role as Town. So other people need more usage. Russell's usage will go up. Edwards' usage will go up. Well, Noel's usage will go up. Gobert's rebounds will probably go up. Edwards' rebounds will probably go up. Edwards' passing will probably go up. Russell's assists will probably go up. Towns did so much for this team. So a lot of people are going to see um, increases in numbers. It is a tough call not knowing what the overall severity is going to be, how long he's going to be at, or whether there is an absolute clear-cut guy who's going to benefit. I don't mind taking that flyer on. Like if Jaden McDaniels is out there in any wire, you grab him, right? That's the simple one. You grab him. He is going to benefit. He's not a great points league guy, but he will benefit in this scenario. Kyle Anderson would be next to me, and then Noel would be next to me, and then Prince would be next with Reed coming down at the end. So I would try Anderson in a 12. I would consider Noel definitely in a 14, and Prince is more of a 14-team leaguer as well. And that's how I see that at the moment. Um, but we'll find out more tomorrow, and I'll do more videos on that tomorrow when we hear about it. Now, to get into the actual game, um, uh, where, where the Wolves got smashed by the Wizards, 142-127, uh, Goose put up a really good net game. For the second game in a row, Anthony Edwards was brilliant at the line. 10 of 11, 91%. He had 29, 8, and 2 with two steals. This is the key for him to push back up into that top 50. Gobert had 19 and 7 in 29 minutes. Perfect from the field. Perfect from the line. Of course, he and Edwards were both uh, negative, over negative 20, which is bad. Noel had 23 points on 69% shooting. Giggity. Of course, that's not going to stick. But that usage in minutes might be something to watch. While D'Angelo Russell had 17, 4, and 5. Kyle Anderson played 28 minutes, so they did go with him more. 8, 8, and 4. That's a Kyle Anderson line. He's not going to be a big scorer. He'll rebound all right. He'll get assists. He'll get some steals. He might block your .8 shots. He might hit 1.43s. There's enough there to, to give him some value. And even so far for the season, Anderson is, what, 164th this season in these limited minutes. So he probably does push to 12 team leagues. Austin Rivers did absolutely jack shit, four points in 24 minutes, while Towns was actually struggling before the injury. But if you want to talk about a bloke who wasn't struggling, and I do want to talk about a bloke that wasn't struggling, let's talk Porzingis. Porzingis. Career high, 41 points, six triples, two steals, three blocks, 67% shooting. He was a guy that could get in the round four in a lot of spots, and so far it's paying off. Knock on wood. He doesn't get hurt. We don't know that, of course, but he's been great. Kuzma's also been great. He was a guy that I targeted a lot in the 90s because at that point in the draft, it was so hard to find anyone who would get any rebounds. I went, all right, I guess I'll take Kuzma. And I thought, all right, he's going to cop some hits to usage, but he's fine there. Well, he's exceeding expectations as well. He's the 80th ranked player, 23, 8, and 9. And with his usage spike and his assist rate spike, it's leaving guys like Monty Morris for nothing. Morris had seven points with one rebound and five assists. He did contribute two steals, but played just 22 minutes in his return from injury. And there is absolutely no way that you should be rostering Monty Morris in a 12-team league. Get that garbage out of here! Yes, Jack Armstrong. Get that garbage out of here. Um, Bradley Beal had 22-1-5 with two steals. Not his best game, but he's been hyper-efficient. While uh, it was a solid enough game from Will Barton. No, f*** you, Will! No, he's round his sack back. Will! And by solid enough, I mean he had three steals and that props it up. So you don't need to worry too much there. Denny Avdia, yeah, yuck. 19 minutes, six and six with two steals. We worried 
that what Abdi was doing, those triple doubles, yeah, Beal and Kuzma and Morris were out. And that enabled Abdi to do more. They all came back and he did jack shit. And that is not a surprise. We've seen that multiple times. I still really like Abdi. I still really like how he fits. I think the 19 minutes is ridiculous. But I don't think he's a must-roster 12-team league guy. And that's why I think... Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure when we did the Week 7 preview, I talked about, hey, is he on the verge of breaking out? I don't mind him as a points league ad to see where this goes. But I also know that a lot of his production is being fueled by the absences of bigger players, and we'll have to really watch to see how it impacts him. Well, the answer is it impacts him pretty significantly. Not much else to really talk about in that game, I don't think. So we'll stop talking about it. Let's go to the second game with the Atlanta Hawks for the third consecutive game. Coughed up a double-digit lead to lose to an undermanned Philadelphia 76ers, 104-101. DeJounte Murray played 40 minutes. Good for him. He shot a little bit better, 46%. But we are getting this line. I feel like we're getting this line every game from him. 17, 5, and 6, a steal and a block. Remember the two steals per game he used to get? Forget it. Remember eight rebounds? No way. Remember nine and a half assists? I've never heard of her. Well, who's that? They don't exist for him anymore. He's the 72nd ranked player over the last week. He's now down to 22nd for the season after a hot start. And I feel like we're just getting the same shit every game for DeJounte. And this was exactly what I feared for him this year. Trey Young had 18 and 10. It's not bad, but not great. Well, the Baptists, how about Johnny Collins? 13 and 8, but two steals and four blocks. John Ray Hunter did his thing. He had 18 points, and then you, you, you get a semi, don't you? You look at it and you go, oh, 18 points. We're getting there. We're getting there, boys. And then you look at the rest and you go, boys, boys, girls, whoever, whoever you're talking to with your semi looking at DeAndre Hunter's 18 points. He had 18, 3 and 3, and that's it. Like, yeah, 64% is good, but he was 67 from the line. And he continues his absolute demolition path into the top 200. That's a bit unfair because he's not in the top 200. He's 208th. And that's why you need to jack him off vigorously. Get that garbage out of here! Clint Capella returned. He had 10 and 16, while Kongwu had 2 and 2 in 15 minutes. You know what? Jack a Kongwu off as well. There's no point in holding on to him. You might as well hold on to Big Dick Nick Richards. It's the same thing at the moment. Don't worry about holding on to a Kongwu. See you later. Justin Holiday played with Jalen Johnson out. 16 points with four threes. Not much else there. Don't buy into it. For the Sixers, the big fella Joel Embiid returned. He played 35 minutes. He had 30 and 8 with 7 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. And went 12 of 13 from the line. And that is amazing. We love it. The Thick Hogsman was also really good. Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Good for him. 24 and 10 with three threes. Unfortunately, nothing else at the right-hand side of the box score. But that's what Harris is. Use this time where these players are out to try and sell high. And if you get a top 60 guy back, you'll love yourself. Maybe. Shake Milton, 40 minutes. 21, 5, and 7. Again, 20 shot attempts. 7 assists. 40 minutes. What do these three things have in common? They have no chance of, of sticking around when players return. Oh, can Shake still get 30? No. No, he can't. Can Shake still be top 100? No, no, he can't. It's great now. And you have to debate it. Do I take a little bit of a hit to get a top 50 guy in return? Or do I just write out these insane numbers and, and hope that for the sake of Milton's value that Harden and Maxi stay out longer? In most cases, I'd probably just like to hold on and just enjoy that and then hope someone else pops up. But it's up to you. D'Anthony Melton, the wave pool. Struggle from him. 9, 2, and 5 with two steals. Do not drop him. But with um, Embiid back, Paulie Reed was the backup, which is great. But of course, his value is gone. You don't have to hold him in 12-team leagues with Embiid back. We easily drop him. That is not a tough decision to make. Should we do the next game? Yeah, that's a great idea. Actually, 
it is actually a bad idea. We won't do that one just yet because I've got to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Every new potential hire for a small business can be game-changing. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You go in, create the job. Simple. So so straightforward. As easy as knowing not to roster DeAndre Hunter in 12-team leagues. In fact, I wonder if I could hire someone to tell everyone not to roster DeAndre Hunter. On LinkedIn Jobs, I'd have that ability. I'd do it. I'd put the ad out. And then I'd go onto my profile and have the hashtag or the purple hashtag hiring frame to let people that I was hiring for this very specific task. With the right screening questions, you can make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right level of hatred of DeAndre Hunter and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. It's also why DeAndre Hunter fans rank it last. But, oh well, that's fine. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is the next game, so we are going to do it now. Wow, what a surprise. The Raptors smacked the Cavs 180-88. to The Donovan Mitchell assist watch, they're bad. They are dropping like flies. Over the last week, Donovan Mitchell is back in the most... Um, I don't know what the right term is. He is the most familiar with being ranked 45 of anyone I've ever seen, and over the last week, he's 45th. I think he was 44th, 45th, 45th for his first three NBA seasons. Then had a bit of a step up last year, but... With the assist dropping off, which was always expected, he's fallen away. And then he turns in a 27% shooting performance. Shit night from Mitchell. Don't panic too much, but understand that that top 10 stuff wasn't going to stick. Darius Garland had 18, 4, and 10 with three steals and a block. Very good. And Mobley started at center and had 18 and 15 with two blocks. Well, this season, the data is telling us that him at, well, anecdotally, him at center is providing better fantasy numbers. And that's good. Don't know whether that sticks, though. Isaac Okoro couldn't have had a worse game, I reckon. Two points on 9% shooting. Yep, that's cool. Sick. And then they also started Dean Wade, who had 8 and 6 with a steal. Now, Wade, I think, will continue to start, even when Allen is back. But that doesn't mean that he's a 12 or a 14, or probably even a 16-team league guy. And I also don't think that uh, Dracaris Levert Dracaris. is worth it either. 8, 6, and 3 in 29 minutes. I would not bother with him in 12-team leagues. I had multiple people ask me, hey, Levert hit the Y. Do I add him? No. No, no, you just leave him there. That's fine. The Raptors, I don't really know how to digest this one or to dissect it because Scotty Barnes returned, great. Pascal Siakam returned, and the only guys that got out are the big sneeze, Preston Shure and Otto Porter. But then they went with a lineup that started Juancho Hernan Gomez and Thad Young over Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent. Okay. All right, I don't know what to make of it. So we're just going no guards, none at all. OG Ananobi's your shooting guard. Juancho's your three, I guess. Weird lineup, weird blokes. They won. Ananobi's great. 20 points, four triples, steal, and a block, 62%. He's just cranking along with really good numbers. Um, and Barnes only played 27 minutes. I do expect Barnes moves into the starting lineup really quickly. 11, four, and five, three blocks, 42%. Still obviously not taking that big step forward, but this was encouraging. Um, but I'd be whatever the opposite is of encouraged with, uh, with Gaz Trent. Not that he didn't play well. 14 and seven on 44%. Steal is okay. But I don't know whether he's going to take the starting lineup job back. And if he's a 28-minute-a-night player versus a 34-minute-a-night player, then that's jackable. He's been really quite poor this season, Gary Trent, and a guy that I avoided really heavily in drafts because you know you know, you know why. I don't believe in the steals, and I believe that there was a chance he would get benched this season. And so far, both of those things have come true. 
But will I automatically drop him here? I'd be a little bit loath to do that. But I'm not ruling that out as a possibility. Thad Young, 26 minutes, 10 and 7 with 3 assists. It's a solid line. Will he continue to start over Barnes or over Trent? Well, I think Barnes will replace Wancho. So Young could start for a bit here, but there's still Precious and Otto to come back. And I don't really know how they're going to do it. There's still the mess, though. There's still the mess of Barnes and Siakam and Young and Wancho and Boucher, who's the one who lost out today. Boucher played 22 minutes for five points. So I don't know that Young remains a must roster play. He's only 123rd over the last week anyway. So if you did have someone you wanted to you know, get into your lineup and Boucher, or not Boucher, or we'll talk about Boucher in a second, or if he was there, old mate, um, on, on the bench, oh, who am I talking about? Thad Young was there at the end of your roster. And if you wanted to move on, you move on. I don't think it's a killer loss. And I think we almost can say the same about Chris Boucher because it was a stinker. And we always worried that when players returned, what would he do? And the answer is nothing, nothing. And it's still a truer importer to come back. He will be better than this some nights. Five points in 22 minutes. Only took four shots. But not necessarily. I don't think you need to hold him. You can. But I don't think you need to. Bit of a buy low here for Fred Van Vliet. 13, 2, and 5 with three threes on 33%. People tend to be angry at Fred Van Vliet at the moment. So I think you can buy low. Well, um, massive return from Siakam. 18, 11, and 5 in his first game back, which is, uh, which is a cracker. Especially if you're waiting on that return to our boost your fantasy squad. Let's go to the next one. The Charlotte Hornets get their asses kicked in a very, very big way by the Boston Celtics. They were without a lot of players, obviously, um, in that lineup, and it's going to make it tough for them. On the, uh, they were out, LaMelo Ball was out, Terry Regier was out, Gordon Haywood was out, Dennis Smith was out. So they had to start Teo Maladon. The Salt Fleek gets the start. 39 minutes, 11-4-8 with three steals. Do we think that Maladon's an ad? Not really. Like, a lot of events had to occur simultaneously for him to get that start. And they don't play until Friday. So the odds that Rogier, Smith, or Ball, that all of those guys are out again on Friday seems very, very low. So I wouldn't go and add Maladon based on this game. Um, Jalen McDaniels, 24 points, four threes. Always look, how did he do it? Oh, 75%. So it's not going to stick. All right. He's a guy that I think will get a marginal boost. But if Ball plays next game, then I don't think Jalen's a 12-team league player because the guy who replaces Ubre, or replaces um, Haywood, as I spoiled it, Haywood in the lineup, is Ubre. It's not McDaniels. So this is good, and he's okay to have, no problem. But they play Friday. It's a high-volume day. Is he worth holding for that time? I'm not sure that he is. Ubre had 22 points, shot really efficiently, had two steals. He's been a great steals guy this season. He's had some other fantasy issues for sure. And in points leagues, he's much better than category leagues. But I think the value is going to continue for a while now that Haywood is out. And I really liked what Bryce McGowan's did. 10-2-6 with two triples in 25 minutes. I don't think it's controversial to say he's better than James Booknight already. It's also not controversial to say that I don't think he's going to play that much as we move forward this, this season. Big Dick Nick had 7-7 seven and seven while the cockroach. Mason Plumley had 4-4-5. Four, four We're not worrying about adding Nick, I don't think. Uh, and we still hold Mason in certain situations. Well, PJ had 16-2-2. Two two. Not his best night, but not his worst. On the Boston side, Al Horford's back. What a... Sh man, it flared up. Can you believe that Al Horford um, and the back spasms? It got him again. Man, what are the odds? At some point, he's going to get some luck on one of these back-to-backs, and the stiffness just won't occur. Because he did tell us, of course, that he was playing back-to-backs. He wouldn't lie. It's Al Horford. He's not going to lie to us about that stuff. It's just terrible luck. Um, so, yeah. He was out of this game. Jalen Brown had neck stiffness as well, but Jason Tatum returned. And this was just a game that they just dominated, really. Two starters out, so remember that. 
when we look at these numbers. But Marcus Smart had 22, 2 and 15. Huge game. Tatum had 35 in under 30 minutes with four threes, two steals and a block. Brogdon had 21, 5 and 6 in 23 minutes. It's great. It's good numbers. He, he does need players out to have value. Same as Derek White, who had 15, 2 and 6. They're really good lines. They also shot 89% and 63% respectively, which won't stick. The usage won't stick. The minutes won't stick. They're fine to have, but they're also fine to not have when the time is right. I'm not sure Grant Williams is even worth having now, though. Eight points in 22 minutes. He did have two steals. He had two threes. The volume is so low for Grant Williams. I don't really know why we're bothering holding him. In fact, I don't think we are. I think, yeah, I think you can go. Blake Griffin, 22 minutes replacing Horford, 9-4. and four. He had a dunk, which was cool. Well, Sam Hauser hit three threes, one of the best three-point streamings options out there. But this game was so weird, we had uh, nine minutes of Justin Jackson. Yeah, he plays for the Celtics. Game five. It is the Brooklyn Nets. They hosted the Orlando Magic. And they barely win, Brooklyn does. 109-102. And I'll tell you why that's embarrassing. I'll tell you in one second. Um... Because the guys that were out of this game, it's ridiculous. No Wendell Carter, no Cole Anthony, no Jalen Suggs, no Mo Bamba, no Markel Fultz, no Terrence Ross, no Trimra KK, and no Lord Voldemort. That is eight rotation players. Now, you can make an argument that some of those guys like KK or Ross or even Bamba might not be rotation players on a healthy team. But that's eight rotation players. They started a bloke by the name of Caleb Houston, and he's so bad he can't even spell his surname correctly. Three points for Caleb in his 31 minutes. Wagner playing through the hand issue, 21-2-2 two two with two steals. And Bol Bol, the sell high, and Bol Bol is absolutely high. It's as high as he is. 24-6-2, one steal, two blocks, three threes. People love Bol Bol. They absolutely froth this bloke. And you can tell them whatever you want. That Yeah, there's, there's eight rotation players out, guys. Like, Bol's not going to play 33 minutes a night. He probably doesn't play 30 minutes a night. It's not going to happen. And... You want to talk about all these injuries. Somehow, the most injury-prone bloke on this team, non-Voldemort division, is the one who's not hurt, and that's Bol, who's missed, I think, two full seasons of his NBA career through injury. Like, and, and his college career. Like, he's missed so much time, yet he's the one staying healthy. So I think he's a massive, massive sell high. Even though I love what he's done, I want him to win most improved player. I've got to bet on him at 76 bucks to win most improved. I'd love for that to come true. But I've got to look at reality here. I just don't think that what he's doing now has any basis in being able to stick at this level. Gaz Harris played 36 minutes, 19, 4, and 3, 4, threes, one steal, two blocks. That's just another name to add into the mix. How do they get him minutes when these guys get healthy? I don't know. Paulo, um, Paulo's a real problem at the moment for fantasy leagues because the free throws are bad. We knew they'd be subpar and they'd be on high volume, which would hurt, but 5 of 10 is bad. The blocks have dried up. He did have 24, 4, and 5, which is nothing to sneeze at. And it's great for a points league. It's fantastic for a points league. He's top 40 in points leagues. He's not top 100 in category leagues because of the efficiency issues and the drops in blocks. So we had worries about some of the percentage stuff. And it's actually worse. I thought we'd get Mo, more, Mo, more from Mo Wagner in this game. We didn't. 2 and 5 in 11 minutes while Roderick Hampton did nothing. For the Nets... The story there, I guess, is the return. All the, uh, well, actually, the return is not correct. The lack of return of Ben Simmons, because he had to leave with knee soreness for like the third time this season, I think it is. That's pretty brutal to have him out again after just 11 minutes. He went scoreless. He had four rebounds, three assists. It doesn't appear to be serious, but like, who knows? Last time he missed like three or four games. We want to watch that. With him out, Smoke and Joe Harris started the second half, played 36 minutes, 17 and four. I'm not looking at that to add him. 
Seth Curry had three points in 25 minutes. It was a back-to-back. They were monitoring, monitoring him. So if you did have him, just hold that. Well, Durant played 39 minutes. And the worry I have here is he played 39 minutes against the Orlando Magic B team, and they only still won. That is a worrying sign, and I, I absolutely shit myself that something's going to happen to Durant injury-wise. Hopefully not. 45-7-5, two steals, two blocks, 79% for Durant. If I could sell him for a top-five player, you probably can't. I, I'd do it, though. Like, I am really worried about this load. Royce O'Neal scored five points on 11% usage. That's the Royce O'Neal, but he had a 10 rebounds, five assists, two steals and a block. He's so far more valuable in category leagues and points leagues at the moment. I still don't fully believe it, but he's good. Nick Claxton, 17 and 13 with three blocks, 36 minutes, and Kyrie played 39 minutes. Unfortunately, it was pretty empty from Kyrie, 20 and two with three assists. Um, He's struggling a little bit. Maybe he's a little bit of a buy low, but I'd find it really hard to suggest, hey, go and try and trade for Kyrie Irving. Like I just, that, my confidence in him has been you know, shook even more than, than it was beforehand with some of the, the foolishness that went on. Like, you know, when stuff comes out of left field like that, you're just like, Fuck, what am I supposed to do with this guy? Like, I didn't have on my bingo card you know, Kyrie and anti Semitic movies and um, anti defamation league involvements. So I didn't have that on my bingo card for what's going to derail Kyrie this season, but there we are. So who knows what on earth is around the corner? The next game. Game six is the Thunder and the Pelicans. The Pelicans win 105-101. For the the, um, Thunder, they didn't start the Bronco Jalen Williams. 25 minutes, eight and six. That's not bad. The minutes are okay. But it's more luxury. It's more stashy. If you're wanting production right now, then you move on. If you want to hold and see where it goes, you hold. But there's going to be ups and downs for a while, I think. Poku, 27 minutes, 11 and four, three threes, two assists. Good enough. He is a must roster player to me, Pokashevsky. While Shea had 31, six and four. Unfortunately, he shot just 33%, but otherwise the counting stats are good. And we also got Jeremiah Robinson Earl into the starting lineup. 34 minutes, 10 and 13, two steals and a block with two threes. Undoubtedly, that's a really good game. But the questions have already flooded into me. Is he a must roster player? And the answer is no. Like, this is a good game. Like, yeah, it is. The upside for him is so low and the minutes consistency is nothing. He might play 12 minutes next game. He might play 20 minutes. He might play 30 minutes. And the production's not good enough to deal with the ups and downs, I don't think. Lou Dort had 14, 3, and 5. Absolutely mediocre. Like, it's just fine. It's fine. Mediocre sounds harsh, but it's just thoroughly average. Like, it's okay. It's better than last game. But is it good? No, it's not. Josh Giddy, not good. 28 minutes, 7, 5, and 1. Like, he's struggling. Massive buy low to me. But Dagnot does not seem impressed with Giddy this season. He's benching him multiple times. There's a lot going wrong here with Giddy. He is a buy low, but I'm getting a little bit worried about where things are headed here. Interesting from Usman Jang to get the two blocks and a steal. He played 11 minutes. He's not going to be an impact guy, but got some got some production. The Pelicans were without McCullum, Ingram, and Nance, three key parts of their rotation. Zion had the line of Zion the way we go, oh... Oh, okay. This is why we think he can be a top 10 player at some point. 23, 8, and 8, one steals. And guess what? Duke blocks were back. Three of them. 61% from the field. He only took one free throw, but hit it. It's a, it's a ridiculously good line from Zion. The steals have been up at times this year. The blocks are up here. That's what really needs to come. And the eight assists, eight assists, point Zion. It's back. Love it. Trey Murphy, you've got to have him for now. 20 points, two triples, two steals, and a block. While Herbalife Jones, lovely the defensive stats. Four steals, three three blocks. 39 minutes. Now, that's obviously inflated because of everyone that's out. And even including this game, he's not a top 150 player over the last week. But he had 12 points. It might be a sell high, but otherwise, if you've got him, you enjoy this, and then we reevaluate later on. 
With McCullum out, Alvarado started 15-2-4 with two steals. He's a good steal streamer, but I was very impressed with Dyson Daniels. Now, I worry that this is not minutes for him. He had eight points, two threes, five rebounds, two steals. That's good enough. Like That's good enough to be a back-end 12-team league guy if that role sticks. The problem is it just isn't going to. But he should get really most of Devontae Graham's minutes, hopefully. The worry alarm on Jonas Valanciunas should be there. Jonas Vasilinovasas. It's not even that Larry Nance played over him because Larry Nance didn't play. He just got 20 minutes. Now, I could argue that's poor coaching because I don't think we needed to say 17 minutes of Billy Hearn and Gomez, but we got them. 8 and 10 for Valanciunas. I don't think we drop him, but the top 100, I don't know whether he gets there. Devontae Graham played 18 minutes for five points while, uh, as I said, Hernan Gomez had eight, 10 and 9 in 17 minutes. Let's do the next one. The Chicago Bulls beat the Jazz on the road, 114-107. Utah losing quite a few games in a row here without Mike Conley, who I reckon might be holding a lot of that stuff together. For the Bulls, DeRozan was great again. 26-4-6, no threes this time, but a solid game for him. While the big fella, Nikola Vucevic. It's Bulls, it's big Bulls, Bulls is him. Bulls a bitch. 16-9. He continues to be a little bit underwhelming this season, 44th for the year. But that's not a bad line. It was also good for Andre Drummond to get a double-double. Do not overreact to it, though. He's still rostered, inexplicably, in like 32% of 12-team leagues. There's no need for it. 10-10 and 10 for Drummond, who's averaging 20 fantasy points, and he's outside the top 175 for category leagues. Good double-double, sure, that's it. Kobe White played in the closing lineup and played more minutes than Ayo Dusumu. My anti-Dusumu agenda is coming. It's working in my favor. It's not. I don't hate the bloke. I just didn't think he was that good. And he is falling way off. And if you haven't already, you can uh, you can jack him off. Get that garbage out of here! Eight, four, and three for Desumu. It was a rough night from Patty Williams. Five and five in 25 minutes. I do think he's probably a hold in 12-team leagues. Well, Kobe White, it's interesting. 15 points, three threes. He was in the closing lineup. Not a bad game. Probably look 16-team leagues. Not much more than that. While Dragic's little hot streak is over there as well. Um, I wonder if they make any changes with Desumu starting. I don't think they will, but maybe they should. Alex Caruso, 27 minutes. He's only a steel streamer. And he didn't get any here. And that's part of the problem with guys like that. He shouldn't be rostered in really as many leagues as he is either. For the um, the Jazz, Larry Markin got his revenge game going. 32-9 and nine with seven triples. 67% shooting. Great game. Fantastic game. 38 minutes. Should have done maybe a little bit more towards the end, but whatever. And Olenek, another big one from the big fella. Still available in like 25% of leagues. Figure it out. I can't. 23, 4, and 4, 5 triples, 1 steal, 2 blocks. Imagine just finding a top 60 player sitting on the waiver wire. Your league must be pretty uh, slow. Colin Sexton played 36 minutes, 17, 4, and 6. He's establishing himself solidly without Mike Conley, and we just keep rolling with him there. And Beasley had 11 with 3 threes, 4 assists, and 2 steals. He's a 12-team league guy. We're getting to the stage, though, that Jared Vanderbilt, I don't know that he's got big upside in him. I, 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 actually, I'm pretty confident of that. 9 and 7 in 22 minutes. The rebounds are nice. But I'm not, I don't think we need to hold him. If you want to drop Jared Vanderbilt, go for it. They also played Yudoka as a BUK, who I could have sworn had his like 20th ankle surgery or something. I know he didn't. But he played over Walker Kessler. Kessler had been playing well. And then they used as a BUK because Andre Jones' physicality was getting to them. All right. As a BUK had two and five. Kessler had 0 oh and three. Kessler's a block streamer. That's all he is. He's not a must roster player. It was a rough night from the man on the street, Jordan Clarkson. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. 
only eight points on 20% shooting, but he had six rebounds. He had nine assists. He's been really, really solid this season. Although still, only the 100th ranked player in category leagues, 83rd in the old um, points leagues. We hope we can get a little bit more out of him. I think he's relatively um, stable for this team down the stretch, but we'll find out, won't we, whether there is any drop-off or anything like that that is coming along for the next game, the Rockets and the Nuggets. I've got a bit to talk about with the Rockets. They lose 129-113, but at least we had the right decision initially to start the delicate dancer, Alperen Shengun. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Um, But he played just 23 minutes. He had 18-7 and seven against the reigning two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. 18-7. and seven. He played 18 first-half minutes, and then Steven Silas said, no, nope, you're going to play five second-half minutes. Now, he got his third foul just before halftime, and he was replaced for the final minute there by Bruno Fernando. And then in the second half... I, we, we just got Silas, I guess. Embarrassing coaching, again, from this bloke. Um, but it was also just weird the way he ran the rotation in general. Jabari Smith played 17 minutes. Kevin Porter played under 30 minutes. I, I don't really understand what happened. I, I don't get it. These these rotational minutes don't make sense. The encouraging thing is that Shengun started and Garuba was his backup and Fernando was nowhere to be seen. Now, Fernando had four and two in eight minutes. Do not add Bruno in 12 or 14 team leagues. And keep holding on to Shengun. But like I, I I don't I don't get it. I don't get the minutes. Jabari Smith had been playing well prior to this game as well, but he took four shots. He hit three threes. 75% shooting, but 17 minutes. He did have three fouls and that limited him. KJ Martin had 15 and 6. That's fine. He's a 14 team league player. Jalen Green, 17, 2 and 7. Another good assist night, but absolutely nothing defensively. Bad rebounds and poor percentages. Kevin Porter had 12, 4, and 6. Didn't hurt your free throws because he didn't take any. Just an overall weird box score. We had 19 Dacian Knicks minutes. 7, 1, and 4 for Nixie. I mean, cool. Tari preseason had 6 points with a steal. He's a luxury stash player who can get some steals. We know this, but it's going to take a lot, it appears, for Numbnuts to play him in a proper role. And I hate to think what happens when Tate comes back. At least we avoided the Fernando starting over Shengu, but I would not be shocked if Fernando gets the nod next game. The fact that Shengu played 18 first half minutes, I go, oh, let's go. This is exciting. And then five in the second half. I guess you know, he had to reduce his minutes, so he prevented him fouling out. And in the end, all he did was prevent him from playing the minutes that he would have played had he fouled out anyway. Like stupidity. Dumb coaching. Again, from Steven Silas. What a shock. Name a better combo. Again, this game did get blown out a little bit. So that is why some of the minutes, the, the Nuggets did take over in that, in that second half. But I still think it's pretty ridiculous to see only 17 Jabari Smith minutes and 23 Shengun minutes. It's pretty ridiculous. For the Nuggets, Big Chungus had 32, 12, and 80. Played just 27 minutes. While well, the headmaster, I think he had 22 minutes in the first half. Jamal, 22 points in the first half. Ended with 13, 2, and 5. A steal and a block. This is how an ACL recovery should look. He's back to his best already. One month in, we're back. The Shark... Bruce Brown had 12, 3, and 3 with a steal and a block. Sorry, two steals and a block. Baby shark, I think KCP's a drop. Like, he's not a guy that you have to have. In a points league, see you later, right? He's not a guy you have to drop, but eight points, two threes, two assists. He's 118th for the season. His value, if you look at overall ranks and totals, is going to be propped up by no turnovers, which doesn't matter when you're not really counting the other numbers. I think you can do better than him. Aaron Gordon had been shooting and producing at a ridiculously high level, but he had four fouls here. That's why he played only 14 minutes. And it was a bad night, four and three. He'd been absolutely cranking top 20 over the last week. 
But, you know, this is not a great performance. While Vlatko Chanchar got the backup minutes. Unfortunately, we didn't really see how that rotation worked because he got 19, Naji got 18, and DeAndre Jordan um, swindled his way into 19 as well for an 8 and 10 double-double. Chanchar is a back-end, like 18 to 20 team league player, but at least he might get rotation minutes now. But again, this game is so weird, given the way the minutes are distributed, given the sort of second-half blowout nature of it, to really understand much about how either of these coaches are going about things. Unfortunately for us, before we go on to the next game, just after the game, Nikola Jokic had some interesting things to say about Alperen Sengun. The quote is, he thinks that the Rockets, well, not a quote, this is what he said. He said, thinks the Rockets should be playing through Sengun more and that they get stagnant. Using Sengun more as a fulcrum should help their stagnancy, according to Jokic. I agree. Sengun's really good. And the Rockets, the dipshits, don't really know how to best utilize him. It's going to be really frustrating to see if anything, yeah, if he does get limited to 22 minutes a night or 23 minutes a night or whatever they're doing. Um, because I agree, he could he could really still blow up into a really good player uh, over the next couple of years. And interesting that Jokic said that. Hmm. Okay, let's go to the next game. The Suns, they survive against the Sacramento Kings. They're up a lot of times, double digits, and the Kings just kept coming and just kept coming. They end up winning 122-122. 117, the final score here. Uh, Phoenix gets that victory in Sacramento. No beam being lit for the Suns. Let's start with... Uh, well, that's where am I? I've lost my... Completely lost what I was looking at there. I need to get that back. Where is it? Where did it go? Anyway, technical difficulties. We'll be back in a sec. All right, it's back. 122-117, the Suns. Without Chris Paul, without Cam Johnson. Devin Booker played 41 minutes. He had 44-8-4 with six deals. It's a gigantic, gigantic game. 61% shooting. He had struggled a little bit before this game, but this is obviously great. Uh, well, not, you know, not massively struggled, but struggled a little bit over that um, last week period in relativity to where he had been in the past. But this is obviously, without any sort of doubt at all, a fantastic performance. And um, those six steals in particular, getting six steals out of Devin Booker, you absolutely love getting that, don't you? He had been, what, 128th prior to this game over the last week because he had had subpar um, field goals, below 40%, below two threes a game, below average free throw attempts, and had like one steal and one block over the entirety of the week. And it dropped him way down. This will push him back up. Mikael Bridges didn't shoot well, 43%, hit a key shot late, but had three steals and three blocks in his 40 minutes to go with 13, 8, and 7. He's been really, really strong um, at time, well, not times, for most of the season and another good game here. DeAndre Ayton had been really good, and before this game, he was the eighth best player over the last week. That's not going to hold. But 35 minutes, 17 and 12. Unfortunately, he had no threes or no blocks and shot one of two from the line. Not his best night. Torrey Craig was just solid. 11, 5 and 3. Keep rolling with him. And now we're getting more of this Bismack Biombo, Jock Landau mixing and matching of backup minutes. I don't like it. And it's really hard to predict who's going to get those minutes on a given night. Bad game from Cameron Payne. 24 minutes. He had five fouls, so that's why the minutes were down. He had five points on 10 shots because he was a bad shooter. He had seven assists, though, and we still just keep holding him until Chris Paul returns, and then we very clearly just move on. Good fourth quarter from Damian Lee. He ended up with 15 points with three threes. He's been a solid enough three-point streamer when you're looking for that category. On the King side of things, let's talk about Sabonis, who had a 17-9-10 and 10 game with a steal and two blocks. A fantastic performance from Sabonis, and it was also a huge Malik Monk game. 30 points. Eight assists with two threes. Now, Monk, prior to this, had been the 144th ranked player over the last week. 
this will jump back up. And you know what I've been saying about Monk? I, I think he's totally fine to have on a 12-team league. But I also get that if your team is too stacked and you want to move on and stream him, he's going to be very up and down. This was great. He won't shoot 71% or get, get eight assists a game. He, he just won't. And you might have 10 points with three assists next game, and that's not useful. It's going to be up and down, and that's why he's a back-end player. Darren Fox... Um, Darren Fox is outside the top 100 over the last week. He's going to soon tumble outside the top 20 for the season because as we were well aware, well, most of us were well aware, he was not going to continue doing what he did. 11-5-5 on 33% shooting. The three blocks are nice, but he only hit one three. The shooting was never going to stick. It was impossible to stick, and it's not sticking. No one should be shocked at this. I'm a little bit shocked that Fanta Pants didn't hit a three, Kevin Herter. But 18-7 and seven with three steals. I guess what I'm more encouraged about here is the fact that he didn't hit a three. And we knew that 50% three-point shooting, which was propping him into the top 60 or top 70, was unrealistic to stick. But to have a good game like this without hitting any threes is super encouraging. He's going to be a back-end 12-team league player. Keegan Murray, only 23 minutes, no foul trouble. This is the worry with Murray. Worry, worry with Murray. It's not like Jabari Smith would go, well, he's playing 30 minutes. He's getting eight rebounds. He's blocking shots. Yeah, and he's shooting 30%. It's going to come up. This is just Murray not being like liked, I guess, by Mike Brown. It's not the right term. It's that Mike Brown's like, well, man, we want to win games. You're not actually doing it for us, so you're not playing. And it's not like, well, everything's there except for the shooting, and you're not going to shoot 30%. He had 11-2, and 2, 46%. The defensive stats haven't translated from college, and he's getting under 25 minutes a night. To me, the difference... And people have asked me, hey, you say that rookies are going to get better, at the end of the season. So why would you say hold on to Jabari Smith, but drop Keegan Murray or consider dropping Benedict Matherin? And the reason is pretty simple to me. With, with all of these, when I look at Bylos and Sal Highs and all those guys, we give them until the end of November to see what's up with them. And the minutes can come up from Murray. But the reason the minutes are down is because he's not contributing to winning as a rookie and this team wants to win. Right? He just isn't. And the defensive stats haven't translated. The reason it's different to Jabari is that they're going to give him 30 minutes a night, Jabari. And he wasn't going to shoot 30%. It was a really easy thing to see where he could easily jump 13 percentage points. Whereas Murray doesn't have that in him. He doesn't have that ability. Matherin's shooting well and getting to the line a ton and still not useful for fantasy. So if that stuff falls away, then where is the value? What is the improvement here? Matherin um, had a poor fantasy translation coming through because of the lack of counting stats and, and or lack of peripheral stats. And that's translated to the same way to the NBA. And while he's shooting unbelievably, like if that falls away, like he doesn't have the the luxury of like, oh, well, the shots will fall. The shots are falling at a high rate. And if they don't, well, then the value falls away. And it's a sort of the same with Murray. It's not like he's just shooting poorly. He's just at a position where he's not going to get the rebounds that he got at college because of the position he plays, fine. The defensive stats and the blocks were never going to come across like that. And because he's not contributing to winning, he doesn't get the minutes. He doesn't get entitlement minutes. He doesn't get luxury minutes like someone like um, Jabari does. So that is why I've got a different thought process on these guys. Also, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. or It obviously impacts my evaluation when I wasn't as high on Keegan Murray. I didn't view him as a top four player in this draft. I think I had him seventh. So my leeway on him goes, yeah, okay, I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's a top four player. And the reason he's not performing is because that's in line with how I thought of him originally. I think he's better than this, but I also wouldn't be waiting to hold on to him. And I hope all of that makes sense in terms of how my thought process goes. The pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Remember we talked about Barnes and say, hey, this is a hot streak. It's going to cool off. Six points on 25% shooting. Didn't hit a three, had two rebounds. Played 28 minutes. 
had 9% usage. I mean, he's better than this, but he's worse than what he was doing. And he's back outside the top 120 over the last week, outside the top 130 over the last week. The upside's not there as a long-term thing. Move on. You don't have to hold on to him. Terrence Davis was pretty good, 11-8 and eight in 19 minutes, but we don't need to fall for the Terrence Davis dance again. All right, let's do the last game. What a stupid game. What a stupid team. What a stupid league. The Pacers beat the Lakers 116-115 on an Andrew Nempard game-winning three-pointer. What on earth happened in this game? One of the dumbest games um, that I've seen in a long time. Tyrese Halliburton. Just a casual 14 assists again. I feel like, maybe I'm wrong on this, I think that's the fourth time in his last five games that he's had at least 14 assists. Oh, and he had uh, zero turnovers. It's ridiculous. I don't think he's had a turnover in his last three games. He's been dominating. He had 24, 7, and 14. He had the game-tying layup, and then he had uh, the game-winning assist. He had a steal and a block. He's been ludicrous. Miles Turner shot poorly early on. But 15, 13, and 4 with 3 blocks is bloody good. Or well, Nempard finished with 12 points, 4 threes, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 29 minutes. And with his return, as we thought, it meant TJ McConnell's irrelevant. 13 minutes for McConnell, 2 points, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. And he's going to be more irrelevant when Chris Duarte returns. Andrew Neesmith started. He had 16 points with 4 threes. But I do think Nempard is going to get in there. And Andy can be maybe a 14-team league guy. He's really good in this one. Benny Matherin, 32 minutes. That's good. 23 and 8. The eight assists are good, but didn't attempt a free throw. Had one assist. This is what we talk about when we say he lacks a little bit for the fantasy category leagues. 23 and 8 is, is solid. It's not bad. Like, it's a pretty good game. But there's still not the peripherals that are there all the time. This is good. It wasn't, it wasn't good from Sticks. He was great last game. But this is why we don't panic too much about dropping him. Nine, three, and two. He had a triple one, but 25% shooting. We didn't panic. He played 24 minutes. He wasn't going to do what he did last game. Isaiah Jackson plays four minutes. Um, that's pretty bad. He had one rebound, one block. He's a droppable player. He has been for a while in terms of the only... When I say this, I haven't actually flat out said drop Isaiah Jackson because I'm not here telling you what to do. What I have said with him ad nauseum is he's a luxury stash. If you have the ability to hold someone while understanding that they're not producing the value at the moment, then he's a great option for that because if Turner's traded, he's a top 50 player. But otherwise, if someone's a luxury stash, it means they're not producing enough at the moment. Maybe I should have been clearer on that. But you don't have to hold on to Isaiah Jackson. He's a guy that if you have the luxury, if you're coasting, if you've got a large bench, if you're in a situation where you're just winning anyway, then you hold him because the upside's great. Otherwise, you piss him off. I think Buddy Heald's a buy low. 15 points on 13 shots. He didn't do much here. He's outside the top 140 over the last week. I think he's better than this. But we also know that he was on the sell high show a couple of weeks ago. He was a top 20 player then. And that wasn't going to stick either. He's somewhere in the middle. Um, for the Lakers, let's talk about Anthony Davis who returned. He had 25, 13, and 6 with 4 blocks. Unbelievable. He's been so, so good. And LeBron hurt his ankle again, unfortunately. 21 points on 36% shooting. He was bad from the line. He had 21, 7, and 3. And the LeBron struggles continue. He did return from the ankle sprain, played through it, but we have to worry to see whether anything happens there. Westbrook had a pretty good game, 24-4-6. Unfortunately, there was a little stretch of time where he was hitting his free throws. He's not doing that any longer, so that value's gone. Um, he's still outside the top 100 in category leagues this season. He's inside the top 70 for points leagues. We know the differentiation there for Russ in his game, and for some category leagues, he'll make sense to have. For others, he won't. Austin Reeves played 31 minutes. Good. He's a good player. 
13 points, two threes. He's a nice 14-team league guy. But what we wanted to see was what was Dennis Schroeder going to do when Anthony Davis was back? And the answer, predictably, was nothing. Eight points, four assists, 30 minutes. There's no point for him to be on the court when Westbrook's there and LeBron's there. He serves no purpose. He doesn't touch it. He's not going to get assists. And you, absolutely, I don't believe, need to have him in a 12-team league. In fact, Pat Beverly will be back next game. Now, whether they start him or not, I don't know. But I actually don't care. I don't, I don't care whether Beverly starts over Schroeder because Schroeder starting on this team doesn't mean he's a 12-team league player. And I think we might be getting there with Lonnie Walker. Hello. As you are well aware, I am a Lonnie Walker skeptic. And a lot of what he was doing to start this season didn't seem really yeah, rooted in reality. 22 minutes for him, 9-4-2. He just lacks the ability to contribute outside of scoring. And at the start of the year, he was scoring at percentages way above career norms, and everything's cut back down. Now, is the 22 minutes something that he's going to do every night? I expect him to play more. But as Schroeder's there now, Beverly will return. Like, it is hard to get those minutes, especially when players like Austin Reeves are better than you. So if I have Walker, and I wanted to drop him, like I'm in a 10-team league, I would happily drop Lonnie Walker. Not a problem whatsoever. Even in a points league, no worries, drop him. In a 12-team league, it would depend on who I'd add. But if I had Lonnie Walker, he's my worst player almost definitely. And if I wanted to take a crack at Kyle Anderson or Jaden McDaniels if he was dropped or even have a look at a Jalen Noel in Minnesota, I don't think you're losing much dropping Lonnie Walker. Am I biased against Lonnie Walker? No, I think he's a great bloke. Seems like a good guy. Am I biased against the statistics that he's put up throughout every season of his career? No, because they're just literally the numbers that he's put up. So... You know, again, I just don't look at a guy that can go out and score these points without doing anything else and then do that infrequently as being a great fantasy asset. That's how I view him. Troy Brown had three points, but he had 10 boards. He's like a very deep league player. Well, Kendrick Nunn, I was right to say Kendrick Nunn is bad. Five points in 11 minutes for old Nunna. Let's go to the lines of the night. The Monstrous goes to Kevin Durant, just barely, but he gets there. Number one. Number two. Well, number two, when I talk about waiver wire, is Gary Harris. Yeah, big game from Gaz. I don't think we need to read too much into that, but big game here. Young gun of the night is Trey Murphy. Just keep holding him in 12-team leagues. And the dud of the night is the cockroach, Mason Plumley. Your top 10 players in category leagues. Durant was one, Porzingis two. Booker three, Marcus Smart four. Embiid at five, Sabonis six, Zion seven. Jokic eight, Garland nine, and Malik Monk at number 10. Your top 10 players rostered under 50% of leagues. Gary Harris, no, no, don't need to do anything there. Jalen McDaniels, yeah, stream for the short term, but I don't really like that long term. Ish Smith, ignore it. Jalen Noel, maybe with Towns out, maybe. Andrew Nembhard, I like it for 14 team leaguers. Same with Jeremiah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Sam Howes is a three-point streamer. Aaron Neesmith's a three-point streamer for deep leagues. And Teo Maladon, only if all those Hornets guys are still out on Friday, and I doubt that. And then 10 is Will Barton, and absolutely, sorry kids, no, I'm not going to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Fuck you, Will. Um, all right, points leagues. Top 10 players. Booker at one. Then Durant, Porzingis, Davis, Halliburton, Embiid, Jokic, Zion, Tatum, and Marcus Smart. And guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. Throw a thumbs up on YouTube. Like, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Leave a comment. I'm done. It's a long show. Guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.